The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and today, as a special show, I'm delighted to welcome my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond, so let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? Yes, I am, Andrew, thank you. Thank you, Peter, and the background to this, folks, I know on a Monday I generally broadcast the limeys, but if you look at the show number, it's show number 1666, and I approached Peter with this idea some months ago to see if he would like to do a show on this particular topic. It was a, a pretty um, monumental year, we have the Great Fire of London, there are all sorts of other things that we're going to cover in today's show, I'm going to give you the title in a minute. Uh, it means that uh, the Limeys will air tomorrow. Um, Peter will then be back next week in his regular slot. And we're also planning to do a bonus show in Christmas week. Christmas Day is on a Saturday this year. And Peter is going to do his Christmas message. And I'm going to broadcast it just off my website on the Saturday. So please bear that in mind that that Christmas week, there's going to be shows from Monday through Saturday on that occasion. So the title of today's show is the real story of 1666 and the Sabbatean origins of the New World Order. So, Peter, where would you like to start us off today? Andrew, I think many people will be astounded to know how this show, which I must give uh, appreciation to Robert Sepper's book, 1666, Redemption Through Sin, that book has been invaluable in coming to understand this Sabbatean Zevi who declared himself to be the Messiah in 1666, and he proclaimed that redemption was available through acts of sin, basically salvation through sin. And uh, he is the founder of the Sabbatean cult, and the Sabbatean cult is so wedded to the New World Order, it's so foundational to the Illuminati, you cannot understand Jeffrey Epstein or so much of what's going on in the world today unless you understand Sabbatay Zevi, 1666, Redemption uh, Through Sin. Uh, it's just an extraordinary um, uh, story and development. So uh, in my research for this, I wanted to know, well, what did Jewish rabbis think about this, uh, this Messiah? And the first one that I heard was a rabbi wearing the skull cap and so on, who uh, took umbrage with his a title that had been given about the um, false Messiah, Sabbatai Zevi, and he says he didn't choose the title, he takes exception because he doesn't believe he was a false Messiah. I thought, well, that's astounding. There are a number of rabbis who regard Sabbatai Zevi as 
a false messiah. There are others who regard him as uh, a true messiah. And there are others who say, you know, it's a fascinating, interesting story and so on. And uh, uh, they put him there that, that he's far more believable a messiah than that of Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, these are all things you can find on the Internet of a different Jewish perspectives on Sabbatai Zevi. So there's by no means a monolithic agreement, but you get even today a vast amount of people who support Sabbatai Zevi and his teachings that salvation comes through sin and that you must include the left and the right within and that the only way up is to go down and the only way uh, to achieve paradise is by breaking all the laws of God on earth. And uh, if you want to understand Pedophile Island, a little St. James, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and that intriguing uh, box-like dome temple structure that Jeffrey Epstein had built on his Pedophile Island, you've got to understand Sabbatee Zevi, 1666, and Salvation Through Sin. So uh, this is quite extraordinary. Also, of course, 1666 is when the Great Fire of London took place, which is absolutely devastating. And in Revelation 13, of course, we do read um, about the number of the beast, which is 666. And all this comes together because in Matthew 24, our Lord Jesus Christ warns us, take heed that no one deceives you. And uh, he warns the people about false messiahs. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And so over and over in the Bible, we, we read these warnings. So, for example, Revelation 19 verse 20, the false prophet who worked signs in the beast's presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, these, the beast and the false prophet, were cast alive into the lake of fire, brimming, burning with brimstone. Matthew 24, Jesus says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Mark 13 verse 6, many will come in my name saying, I am he and will mislead many. Luke 21, verse 8, Jesus said, See to it that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Matthew 24, verse 23, If anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. Mark 13, verse 21, And if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or behold, he is there, do not believe him. Matthew 24, verse 24, For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Mark 13 verse 22, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order to lead astray, if possible, the elect. And there are many scriptures. You can take, for example, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we've not preached, or you receive a different spirit from which you've received or a different gospel which you've not accepted. You will bear this beautifully. Now, that's a rebuke from, from Paul, how the people were ready to receive a false Jesus, a false spirit, a false gospel. Matthew 24, verse 5 to 26, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. You will hear wars, rumors of war. See that you're not frightened. These things must take place, but this is not the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. Many will come and say, I am he, and they will deceive many. That's Mark 13. So uh, this Sabbatay uh, Zevi, uh, that's spelled Z-E-F-Y, absolutely extraordinary character and um, a false messiah without a doubt. So 
Uh, uh, this this chap, uh, Sabati Zevi, he was born in Anatolia, what today we would call Turkey, and uh, he amassed a lot of followers. In fact, half of all the Jews on earth believed he was the Messiah and followed him in his lifetime. Uh, that's about over a million people when there were about two million Jews in the world, and that's back in the 1660s. He amassed a massive following, more than a million followers during the 17th century, and he said salvation is available through sin. So you get redemption through committing acts of sin. Now, he was considered a heretic by many contemporary rabbis. Nevertheless, many proclaimed him to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. Sabbatay's uh, adherents wanted to abolish many of the observances, uh, many of uh, the biblical laws. So fasting days became days of feasting. Sexual promiscuity, adultery, incest, and orgies were encouraged and practiced by the Sabbatans. So basically, every law in the Bible had to be broken. So the law against adultery, you commit adultery. Law against adultery, you commit uh, adultery. Laws against stealing, you steal. Laws against lying, you lie. So every one of God's Ten Commands, they deliberately broke as the way of salvation. You are saved through sin. And so uh, after his death... Uh, in 1676, his philosophy was continued and expanded by his Kabbalist successor, Jacob Frank. And Jacob Frank is the one who, along with Adam Weishaupt and Mayor Amschel Rothschild, formed the Order of the Illuminati. So that's in 1776. So let's go back to the 1660. I might add that uh, Jacob Frank claimed to be the reincarnation of Sabate Zevi. So uh, it, it the plot really thickens and thickens. So Zevi said, you must violate all religious taboos. You must eat whatever is forbidden by Jewish dietary laws. You must uh, commit orgies and sexual immorality and ritual sacrifice and murder and all these things. It does everything forbidden the Bible. You must perform. That is how you attain salvation. And it becomes very clear that actually he was worshipping Satan because uh, this, <laughs> everything that he did was in the name of breaking the laws of God. And so the Sabbatans were actually a satanic movement, an occultic movement, and a Luciferian movement of whatever God has lifted up, they must break down. And uh, you cannot attain to the heavens without going into the depths. These were some of the things they spoke of. You must take the left and the right and include it in one. You must take right and wrong and, and merge it into one. And the way to... Salvation is through sin. So if you want to understand the philosophy of Hollywood and of the New World Order and of the Jeffrey Epsteins of this world, you've got to understand Sabbatay Zevi, 1666, and the Sabbatayan movement, which really is the roots of the New World Order, the New World Disorder, or the powers that should not be. So uh, this is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, their goals were right from the beginning, from the time the Illuminati was founded by Jacob Frank, the successor and incarnation, they say, of uh, uh, Sabate Zevi, uh, along with Adam Weishaupt and Mayor Amschel Rothschild, when they formed the Illuminati, it was specifically to attain the destruction of all the world's religions and all the world's power structures, to destroy the monarchy, to destroy all powers of Christianity and Saudi and usher in a new world order of what 
we now know as global communism because that's exactly what they wanted, where there's no private ownership of property, where there's uh, no marriage, where the traditional family is destroyed, uh, where everything is owned in common, including wives and children and so on. So if you want to understand the whole idea of Hillary Clinton saying it takes a village to raise a child, you know, that somehow the child belongs to the state, to the community, not entrusted to the parents. Uh, then you understand Sabatay Zevi and the Sabbatarian movement, which is really the roots of all the new world disorder we're seeing today. So uh, they had as their goal, really from 1776, under uh, Jacob Frank and Rothschild and Weishaupt, the goal to take over the news media, the academic institutions, the universities and schools, all the political institutions, and most importantly, the banks, all finance all education, all entertainment, all news media, and all politics is to be taken over by the Sabbateans. And they must consciously break down Christianity and the family and marriage and morality because salvation only comes through sin. So 1666, um, this rabbi and Kabbalist by the name of Sabbatier Zevi, who was born in 1626 and died in 1676, uh, Sabbatay Zavi declared himself to be the Messiah, the anointed one. And he was born to a very affluent family in Western Anatolia. He was an eccentric mystic. He attained massive following in his lifetime of half of all the world's Jewish population. He was very popular. And uh, they attribute his popularity to the publication of what's today called the Lurianic Kabbalah. And this is named after Rabbi Isaac Luri uh, or Luria. And uh, this enjoyed huge dissemination because of the invention of the printing press and the Sabbateans hijacked uh, the use of the printing press and they managed to, for the first time, make the occultic literature about the deeper meaning of, of their Jewish faith and the popularity of Jewish mysticism from the Sabbatean point of view of through salvation comes through sin, by breaking all the laws of God, uh, by immorality, by adultery, by murder, by lying, by theft, and all of this. And the popularity of Jewish mysticism soared with the publication of the Luranic Kabbalah books. And uh, this led to a position where there was a renewed excitement about Judaism. It, while there were Orthodox Jews who obviously opposed this as, as heretical, which it obviously was, uh, but there were many others, in fact, more than half of the total Jewish population of the world were extremely excited. And knowing the nature of man, knowing the depravity of man, it's no wonder people would be ecstatic about the idea that I can get saved by sinning. Uh, wow, this is good news indeed for depraved people who like the idea of incest, adultery, murder, and theft, and so on. Now, what was also very important, and this, this you'll see comes out in a new world disorder all the time, the supernatural relationship between events and time. Through letters and numbers, there's a mythical emphasis given to numerological values of dates, which they believe is absolutely important. And so Sabbatay Zevi's advent on the 18th day, that's six plus six plus six, the 18th day of the sixth month of the year 1666. So there's three sixes right there, uh, three sets of sixes, in fact. And Zebi was charming. He apparently is described as very uh, handsome. He's described as having an extraordinarily enchanting singing voice. 
people who met him said it wasn't possible to look into his face because it's like you're looking into fire itself. And uh, many rabbis at the time attested to having had dreams in which Sabbatai Zevi appeared to them by the side of their bed. And when they awoke, they professed he is the Messiah without a doubt. And so there's something very occultic and mystical about it all. And Professor Gershom Shalem, uh, a Jewish uh, leader, said that the sincere expectation amongst the psyche of many Jews in Europe uh, was that biblical prophecy would be fulfilled by a Jewish homeland. And Sabbatai seemed to fulfill this. Now, according to critical interpretation of his behavior, Sabbatai Zevi showed signs of what modern scholars call maniac depressive psychosis. He publicly displayed ecstatic behavior, but this was followed by bouts of depression and seclusion. He violated all the religious laws from dietary restrictions to committing acts of immorality, uh, in fact, extreme, so that you wouldn't even want to describe it. Uh, others have described him as a religious mystic. Uh, he would practice Sufi-type Islamic uh, religion in the terms of meditative chanting, trance-like praying, uh, ecstatic dancing. Uh, Sabatez Zevi's final gravesite, interesting, is in Albania, which has been made into a Sufi shrine. So the grave of Sabatez Zevi is a Sufi Muslim shrine where Muslim Sufis visit. Now, to understand Islam, there are three main branches to Islam. They're the Sunnis, which are the Quranic uh, section, the largest section of Islam, where everything that's in the book, the the, the Quran is, is of importance. Um, in the other sense, there's, there's the Shiites, which are very much the ones who follow the leadership. So it's not so important what's in the Quran. The most important thing is what the Ayatollah says, what the, um, the leaders say. And so they're following the leaders. Uh, in a sense, it's sort of like our Catholic version. Then you get the Sufis, which are sort of like the charismatic mystics of, of Islam, uh, these are the ones where, you know, the sword swallowing, fire breathing, miracle a day, chase the devil away type. And so um, the Sufis are the extremely meditative, uh, subjective, emotional, spiritual, supernatural uh, section or cult of, um, of Islam. And so the Sufis to this day regard uh, Sabateh Zevi as one of their holy men, and the visitor's grave in Albania, which is an Islamic Sufi shrine, which deepens it. But it gets even more incredible. So according to Professor Abraham el Qayyim, a faculty member of Jewish philosophy department of the Bar Ilan University in Israel, Sabateh Zevi engaged in Sufi rituals. Now that seems reasonable because um, uh, the Sufis to this day regard him as a holy man. Now, Zevi's unusual, socially immoral, religiously unacceptable behavior got him into a lot of trouble. He is expelled from Smyrna around 1650. He wandered for years through Greece, Thrace, Egypt, and Syria. But in 1665, his life was forever changed upon meeting Nathan of Gaza in Palestine. Now, Nathan was a rabbi. And Rabbi Nathan in Gaza persuaded Zevi that he was indeed the Messiah, the anointed one, the expected one. And he was called to usher in a new age and he would become known as one of the greatest proponents and interpreters of, uh, of the Jewish faith. So Sabbatai Zevi was convinced of this and formally revealed himself as the Messiah after some considerable encouragement from Rabbi Nathan. 
And he made his pronouncement in the year 1666 to fulfill Messianic prophecy. Now, you'll see that the Sabbateans see numbers as awfully important, the dates. And this explains why some dates were specifically set. For example, the assassination of the Prime Minister of South Africa, Hendrik Verwoerd. It was on, uh, it was time specifically that it would be on the uh, ninth day, uh, on the sixth day of the ninth month of 1966. And how he was to die with stab wounds, and it was done in a very ritualistic way in the Prime Minister's bench. Uh, the um, even the date of D-Day being on the sixth hour of the sixth day of the sixth month, 1944. And, uh, you know, the, the D-Day or the, the Devil's Day, the, the timing is so important when assassinations were uh, performed, how they were performed, and all of that, uh, even right down to uh, the, the murders of, of the Tsar, the timing to the Kabbalah, uh, Sabbatean movement, it's very, very important to get the dates right, to get the times right, you know, even like the 9-11 and uh, the two towers in the form of 11 and two of the aircraft are both uh, flight 11s and uh, all of these different things uh, that, that numbers line up. So uh, at first, the Sultan uh, did not um, uh, mind uh, what was going on. He gained fervent support in the diaspora of Jews outside of Palestine. He promised a return to a Jewish homeland, which was well received. His strong support amongst the Jewish people and leading rabbis of Jerusalem um, uh, was uh, incredible, uh, and this basically um, he found that there was a lot of support from Jews all over the world, but not from the Jews and the leading rabbis in Jerusalem. <laughs> and he basically was told, "Leave the city, or you'll be excommunicated." So he returned to Turkey, where the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire had allowed Zevi's phenomenon to unfold for many years, and he didn't oppose his religious claims, and. It might have been because the Sultan was getting a lot of revenue from Jewish tourism, because Jews were flocking to Turkey from England, from Germany, from Morocco, from Poland, Yemen, all over they were pouring in. And so this was a, a very good economic boon. And so the Sultan didn't interfere with Sabatier's movement. But when Sabatier publicly proclaimed that the next year he would rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, which obviously didn't happen, makes him false prophet. But at this point, the Sultan realized that he could be uh, having too much here, and this is uh, something akin to uh, sedition uh, uh, within his empire. Uh, he basically gave an offer to Sabate Zevi, um, your head or your turban. Now, it's a polite way of saying, or delicate way of saying, convert to Islam or we will behead you. So the turban is symbolic for converting to Islam. So your head or a turban. In other words, you're going to get decapitated or you will be converted to Islam. And incredibly, Sabbatai Zevi, the supposed long-awaited Messiah, at the drop of a hat, denounced his Jewish faith on the spot, chose to wear the turban, kept his head, and publicly proclaimed that he had become a Muslim. And he adopted a new name, Aziz Mehemet um, Efinda, or the power of Muhammad. So, from this point, the Sultan gave him a decent salary as the Sultan's personal doorman, and he was given the title Keeper of the Gate, whatever that means. So all this time, he continues in his Messianic activities, acting with the full authority and knowledge of the Islamic authorities as a paid agent of the Sultan. I mean, this, the plot deepens. And again, 
this explains where the Young Turks came from. It explains the Armenian genocide of 1915, the killing of over one and a half million Christians in Turkey in 1915, the Armenian genocide, which was perpetrated by the Sabbatans within Islam. The, this is where the origin of the crypto Jews came from, where uh, from the example of Sabbatair Zevi, no problem denouncing your faith because apostasy is one of the sins, isn't it? And so denying your faith and lying is perfectly acceptable. And so he encouraged many of his followers to convert to Islam and later to convert to Catholicism in, in of course, the uh, in Europe. So uh, this way, his crypto Jews, they could get much more influence by pretending to be Roman Catholics or pretending to be Muslims or even later pretending to be Protestants. Wherever the power is in that country, you convert to that in order to get more power and influence. And uh, uh, just to um, bring it to contemporary to show how this really ties in with everything that's going on today. So when the uh, when the Jews that had converted uh, to Islam uh, were um, found to be actually um, false converts in some places. Uh, the Sultan started to persecute some of them to get them to be real Muslims. Many of them fled to Salonika in Greece, where they formed a state within a state and maintained their occultic salvation by sin, Sabbatan faith. Well, interestingly, the future French Jewish president, Nicholas Sarkozy, Sarkozy originated from Salonika. And on a visit to Greece in July 2006, a plaque was unveiled from the Jewish community of Salonika, which stated, in memory of Nicholas Sarkozy's visit to Greece from the Thessalonica Jewish community, the town of your ancestors, the town of your mother, the city of Israel, and the Jerusalem of the Balkans. So, interesting. We've got many people, like, for example, um, Ataturk, uh, who uh, are apparently uh, these crypto Jews who had become false converts to Islam, who were to able to take over Turkey and run it uh, for the purpose of the Sabbatan movement and renouncing Islam really, becoming a secular state, but effectively maintaining a pretense of Islam while their evident real allegiance was to the Sabbatan movement, this really satanic, occultic, uh, Illuminati-type religion. So, um, I mean, this also explains what's going on with the Jeffrey Epstein's and their followers. So the Sultan is now paying uh, for uh, Sabbatier Zevi, the Messiah, the false Messiah. And of course, Sabbatier's formal conversion to Islam dismayed many of his followers, but many took it as a sign to also convert to Islam while secretly maintaining their Kabbalist, Jewish, mystical, Sabbatan uh, allegiance and practices. Now, the most famous of these Sabbatean cults uh, were called the Domi, or the, the Dimi is what they call the people who've, who've been uh, subjected. But the Domi are those who are the religious converts, those who converted under threat of death normally uh, to Islam. And that was generally an insult. But the uh, these people, they were uh, European Jews who were forced to convert to Islam uh, in the case of in Turkey, but then there were also many European Jews who chose to convert to Catholicism during the Inquisition. And then they were able to, in some cases, gain real massive power, not only through pharmaceutical industry, but through the banks, and then later even buying up positions in the Catholic Church to become 
even bishops and archbishops and cardinals, when they could persecute real Christians, you know, burning them at the stake for their um, crime of translating the Bible into the local language and so on. So Sabbatier Zevi's conversion to Islam was, in the eyes of many, an act of cowardice that betrayed the Jewish people. But according to his followers, this conversion is not an act of cowardice, but one of the mystical mazim zarim, or strange actions, that he and Rabbi Nathan of Gaza believed the Messiah was destined to perform. Because according to their understanding of the Kabbalah, salvation comes through sin. So their unorthodox, controversial explanation um, suggested that the the uh, breaking of the laws of Judaism and of the Ten Commands of Moses, uh, it's not only from from uh, the way of salvation, uh, but actually this is the way that uh, Judaism is to succeed worldwide is by pretending to be whatever the powers at that time require. So if that's Catholicism in Europe or if it's Islam in the Ottoman Empire, that's fine. You convert to this, you commit apostasy, you betray your faith, you deny it, because remember, salvation comes by sin. So lying and committing idolatry and murder and adultery and so on are ways of salvation. So this is the Sabbatean movement. And this is why you get so many false converts. And this is why the churches in many cases look like they do. And this also explains the script behind a lot of movies. At any rate, uh, Sabbatean Zevi, like the Sufi mystics, used to loudly exclaim words of ecstasy. They, they were very antinomian. They were lawless. And it became the task of the chosen ones to free the sparks, because what they believe is that in the world, uh, there's a lot of sparks or holy sparks uh, that can only be released by acts of, of adultery and immorality and idolatry and murder and lying and so on. And so this also explains the whole idea of the Illuminati, that there's divine sparks that you must bring out. So the Kabbalah gives instructions for liberating holy sparks to bring about conditions that will set the stage and initiate and expedite the fulfillment of Jewish Messianic prophecy and bring about a Jewish state on earth in the Middle East in Palestine and bring about the breakdown of families, marriages, churches, communities, law throughout the world to bring about a, a situation where a Jewish state will rule the whole world. And this is what they believed was Messiah's task, and which is exactly what Sabbatai Zevi was aiming. Break down the existing world, break down the existing laws, break every law of God, and this will bring about a new world order uh, where the power will be in the hands of the Sabbateans, the uh, Jews who believe in salvation by sin, who have gained dominance over the banks, over the education institutions, over the uh, whole a news media and entertainment industry to ensure that everything that God has built up is broken down so that you rise up by breaking down. You only ascend to the heavens by descending to the pit first. This, these are some of the Kabbalah views. And, and if, if anyone was to read the Kabbalah, uh, it, a lot of it seems awfully pornographic and occultic. And it is. Now, according to the occult scholar and mystic and orientalist, uh, the author of The Secret Doctrine, Madam H.P. Blavatsky, said that you're mistaken if you, believe, if you accept the Kabbalist works of today 
in the interpretation of the rabbis because the the genuine Kabbalist law is from very old. In fact, they say it goes back to the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. And remember, the Jews after the fall of Jerusalem were in captivity in Babylon. And it's in Babylon that they learned these deep mysteries of the numerics and of occult and of the numbers and the dates and how all of this works. And so uh, the the uh, Kabbalah uh, of of modern day Sabbateans and of Judaism is very much um, Chaldean in its roots. So it obviously doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from Babylon and it comes from the Babylonian captivity. And they're speaking of a whole lot of great wisdom that originally came from there. So this new philosophic paradigm in the estimation of many scholars is providing a new spiritual justification for proactive Zionism and the events that directly bring about the modern formation of Israel. So they added new content and new dimensions to the popular messianic folk myth of a conquering national hero and raised it to the level of not just a national hero, but a supreme cosmic drama of not only changing the entire world and not only freeing the state of Israel in the Middle East uh, from the yoke of the Gentiles, but freeing the entire world from the Goyim, from the uh, Gentiles, and bringing it under the control of the chosen people, who, of course, are the followers of uh, Sabbatier Zevi and the Sabbateans. And this is a fundamental transformation of the entire creation. It's got to affect not only the material, but the spiritual world alike. And in the words of Gershom Shalom, a rectification of the primordial catastrophe of the breaking of the vessels in the course of which the divine worlds would be returned to their original perfection. And we think this repairing of the worlds or building back better, you could use the other term, is to bring everything into the salvation by sin mold, breaking every taboo, breaking every religious requirement, breaking every law that binds families together, marriages, all of this, it's all going to be broken down. And so if you look at what's going on in the world and you say, this is crazy, this is insane, this doesn't make any sense. Well, from a biblical Christian perspective, no, it doesn't make sense. But from a Kabbalist point of view, from a Sabbatean point of view, this is good because this is salvation, because salvation comes through sin. Now, these heretical Kabbalists believe that acts which benefit God include deliberate forays into the world of sin, because the illusory nature of evil could be more readily exposed and the sparks elevated to their source by breaking every one of God's Ten Commandments. And so adultery and orgies and incest and immorality and murder and child sacrifice are the ways of redemption. This is the way that you break down the existing order and you create a new world order. So with the advent of the Messiah of 1666, the whole structure changed. The change led to a re-evaluation of the whole Lurian, Kabbalah, and both Rabbi Nathan of Gaza and Abram Kadoza, a Sabbatarian Murano prophet or a convert to, to Catholicism in Spain, went so far as to direct veiled criticisms at Isaac Luria himself, who had written some of the earlier Kabbalists based on the, the Kabbalists based on what they'd learned in Babylon, because now they're reinterpreting it in the light of this new Messiah of 1666. And so they'd entered into a new era. So 1666 ushers in a new era, the new millennium, so to speak, for this this Messiah by reiterating his view that religious law existing prior to Sabbatier Zevi's law was essentially obsolete. 
And so in traditional Sabbatean doctrine, Zevinia's followers claim they can liberate the sparks of holiness hidden within what seems to be evil, but which isn't evil. Zevi himself would perform every act that would violate every law of Judaism, such as eating of fats that were forbidden by Jewish dietary law, bacon and so on, celebrating fast days as feast days. And to quote one of Zevi's prayers, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who makes the forbidden things permissible. Now, how is that? Um, to descend through the gates of impurity into the impure realm of the kelipot to rescue the divine spots that are imprisoned there. And so the Messiah was constrained to commit strange acts, mazim zarim, of which apostasy is one of them. So apostasy is one of the strange acts of the Messiah by denying his faith and embracing Islam, this is also necessary for the fulfillment of his mission. And so the psychology of the radical Sabbateans was utterly paradoxical, but essentially its guiding principle is whatever is as he appears cannot be a true believer. So it means that Judas is your ultimate example of an excellent Sabbatean because uh, Judas was a traitor. He pretended to be one of the disciples of Christ. He pretended to be an apostle. He pretended to be faithful to Christ, but in the end, he's working to betray him. So Judas is the real hero because he's breaking the rules. And in fact, he was so believable. And if you are on the outside, what you are on the inside, then you're a failure. But if you're able to have a pretense so that outwardly they think that you are wonderful and holy and a true apostle of Christ, but inwardly you're working to betray him. Now, that is the sign of real salvation, according to the Sabbatans. So the, it was a completely um, paradoxical situation. A true faith cannot be a faith which men publicly profess. Your true faith must always be concealed. It's your duty to deny your true faith outwardly. And so like a seed planted in the bed of the soul, it cannot grow unless it's first covered over. And so just like a seed must die and be covered over. So we've got to cover over our real faith, our real intentions, our real convictions, our real beliefs. What we give to the world must be false and fake, because if they see the real you, then you're not a real Sabbatean, you're not a real uh, Jew in accordance with what King Messiah, and uh, Sabbatean Zevi was crowned a king and crowned uh, and donned the garments of a, a king and wore the crowns on. So his theme is, Secret, hidden, occultic identity becomes part of an evolving religious philosophy. A true act cannot be committed publicly. It's got to be done privately. And this is why you've got to have secret movements, whether you're talking about the secret societies, the skulls and bones, uh, all of that sort of thing, uh, a lot of higher order Freemasonry, uh, secret rituals, all of this is part of it. It's got to be concealed or it's not true. Whatever is given to the public must be false. And so the true faith the true act must be concealed because only through concealment could it negate the falsehood of what is explicit. And so through a revolution of values, what's formerly sacred becomes profane. What's formerly profane now becomes sacred. So blasphemy must be protected because blasphemy is the means to salvation. And, uh, and that's the point. You're having salvation by sin. Sabbatier Zevi is the most famous Jew to have ever converted to Islam. And in modern terms, Sabbateanism has come to denote a convert to Islam. But within Zevi's inner circle, who followed him into Islam, including his wife, Sarah, and most of his close relatives and friends, they all uh, came within, um, they, they claimed to be Muslims, even though they weren't. And this includes 
the deliberate violation of kashrut or halal, uh, eating forbidden foods, ritualistic group sex, wife swapping, ecstatic singing, chanting mystical Kabbalism, and occultic reading of the Torah and the Quran. And so Sabbatier, after his death in 1676, these sects flourished and they continued to indulge in wife swapping, religious sex orgies, adultery, incest. Everyone doesn't want to dwell on these things, but it was incredibly sexually debauched. You know, just think Jeffrey Epstein stuff and um, Harvey Weinstein. That That's Sabbatanism. The 22nd day of the Hebrew month of Adar was known as the Festival of the Lamb. And so they kept the exact and nature of their meeting secretly, but according to some converts have come out of it, their festival lamb included intoxication and orgiastic rites called the extinguishing of the lights, which ended in total darkness with the religious sexual sharing of wives and daughters. And uh, basically, communard, communist, nothing is um, a private owned, everything, including wives and children, are shared uh, in common, uh, total communism. They said the violation of the Torah had become its fulfillment. And they illustrate this by the example of a grain of wheat that must rot in the ground before it can bring forth. So the grain of wheat must rot in the earth before it can sprout. And so the deeds of the believer must become truly rotten before they could germinate in redemption. And so this metaphor, which was very popular with the Sabbatans, conveyed the whole sectarian Sabbatan psychology in a nutshell. In a period of transition, while redemption is still in a state of concealment, the Torah in its explicit form must be denied, for then it can only become concealed and ultimately renewed. Now, if this is starting to give you a headache, um, sorry, but <laughs> we're trying to explain how they think. So according to Gershom Sholim, Sabbatanism is the matrix of every significant movement to have emerged in the 18th and 19th century, from Hashidism to Reform Judaism, the earliest Masonic circles, and the revolutionary ideals of the French Revolution and the Bolshevik Revolution. The Sabbatean believers believed that they were champions of the new world order, which is to be established by overthrowing the values of all other religions. And so they insisted that the positive holiness of sin, sin is holy, and redemption comes through religious sex orgies, solstices, equinoxes. And now it's it's uh, Frank, uh, Jacob Frank, who's born 50 years after the death of Sabbatean Zevi, who is the true successor of, of Sabbatier Zevi. In fact, he claimed to be the reincarnation of Sabbatier Zevi. He extended the paradoxical teachings of Zevi that the coming Messianic age had transformed sexual prohibitions of the Bible into not just permissions, but obligations. You are obligated to commit adultery. You're obligated to commit fornication. You're obligated to commit incest. You're obligated to commit murder and lying and stealing and cheating and coveting and bearing false witness, and idolatry, and worshipping other gods. And so sexual prohibitions in the Bible are obligations. The way you are saved is by breaking the laws of God and the Ten Commands in particular. And so Frank, uh, Jacob Frank said, you must engage in sexual orgies to purify your soul of its sins. Debauchery is therapy. And Frank convinced his followers that the only way for this special form of Judaism to survive is to outwardly become Christians. You must join churches. You must become ministers. You must become theologians. You must uh, be training the next uh, generations. And so their whole philosophy was to lie and to pretend to be converted and to enter into theological seminaries and to be able to corrupt from within the churches and to hijack the churches and the universities. And so uh, redemption through sin philosophy became the heart of it. 
And uh, Jacob Frank asserted that the God of the Bible is evil. And we must worship the true God, who's not the God of the Bible, by rejecting every moral law and every command. And this is the only way to a new society, a new world order, through total destruction of the present Christian civilization. And he insisted, child sacrifice, rape, incest, drinking of blood, all perfectly acceptable and necessary for religious rituals if you want to be saved today. So I think any listener can tell what we're talking about here is Satanism, actually. Sabbatanism is actually Satanism. So the, the Sabbatans under Frank held annual springtime lamb festivals, celebratory dinner, including drug abuse, sacrifice, nudity, exchanges of spouses, daughters, religious sex. They converted to Islam, they converted to Catholicism, um, and he slept with his followers, his own daughter. Uh, this Jacob Frank was as debauched as it comes. He preached a doctrine that the best way to imitate God is to break every boundary, to cross every boundary, to transgress every to-do, to mix the sacred with the profane. And uh, his popularity was huge. He won 50,000 Jews or ex-Jews or crypto-Jews uh, who followed him as his disciples. And uh, Frank's cult uh, grew to include many of Europe's royalty, nobility, and the richest of the bankers, including the Rothschilds. So Eve Frank, the daughter of Jacob Frank, called the Lady or the Holy Matron, served as the central figure in the sexual rituals of the sect, all while he was alive, while Jacob Frank was alive. So absolutely bizarre. And Jacob Frank is one of the most frightening phenomenon in the whole history of Jewish history, and that's what Gershom Shalom says. He is a religious leader who, for whether purely self-interest motives or otherwise, was in all his actions totally corrupt and degenerate. And uh, that's a Jewish professor's opinion. So according to Frank, you must free yourself from all laws, conventions and religions. You must adopt every conceivable attitude and reject it to follow your leader step by step into the abyss. Quoting, the annihilation of every religion and every positive system of beliefs is the only true way for you to follow. In order to ascend, you must descend. No man can climb mountain till he's first descended to the foot of it. We must therefore descend and be cast to the bottom rung. Only then can we climb to the infinite. I did not come into this world to lift you up, but rather to cast you down to the bottom of the abyss. Quote, unquote. Jacob's ladder is a V, he says. You've got to go down in order to go up. And Frank said the descent into the abyss requires not only the rejection of all religions and conventions, but the commissions of strange acts including homosexuality, which demands voluntary abasement and libertinism, disregard of authority, antinomianism, rejection of all law. You must reach a state of utter shamelessness where you will not blush to do anything or to lie about anything. And so there was a lot of nihilism in, in this um, Sabbatianism. There was uh, also a clear-cut ideology of Jewish territorialism, which developed where uh, he said that, in fact, Israel was an exile, not because of the consequence of its sins, but as part of a plan to bring about the destruction of all Goyim throughout the world. And in his classic book, To Eliminate the Opiate, which is written by Rabbi Marvin Altman, that Jacob Frank got his financing from Frankfurt, uh, from the Rothschilds from Frankfurt, and from Adam Weishaupt, the founder of the Illuminati. And so Frankfurt was the birthplace of the Illuminati and of the Rothschild Empire. And uh, when Jacob Frank entered Frankfurt, the alliance between Weishaupt and 
the Rothschilds, uh, that's, that's Meyer uh, Amschild Rothschild, and uh, the, the patriarch of all the Rothschild uh, bankers. And Weisshaupt provided the conspiratorial resource of the Jesuit order because Weisshaupt was, Adam Weisshaupt was a Jew who had been trained by the Jesuits and who secretly converted to Sabbatianism. And so what you had was the conspiratorial resource of the Jesuits and the vast money power of the Rothschilds. And now what they had uh, through um, Jacob Frank was the means to spread the agenda of the Illuminati. Because what easier way to recruit the most powerful people in the world to influence every area of life than to tell them salvation comes by sin, not asking them to deny themselves, but to indulge themselves. And that's why they were able to win over kings and mayors and leaders of countries, uh, because just like we can see with Jeffrey Epstein, bring them to Ireland, let them indulge in the most debased forms of human uh, depravity, and you've got them on your side. You can bribe them and blackmail them if they decide to stray, uh, because you've had them commit all kinds of uh, heinous crimes uh, like pedophilia, which is one of the few things that are still recognized as a sin these days. And uh, then you can blackmail them if they don't toe the line. And so uh, this salvation through sin became a very popular religion to recruit people to bring about a new world order, which, of course, must be built on the ashes of the old order. And so May the 1st, 1776, was the formal date that Adam Weisshaupt officially founded the Order of the Illuminati. Now, Weisshaupt, son of a Jewish Kabbalist rabbi in Bavaria, educated by the Jesuits, officially converted to Catholicism, but, and he became a priest. But Adam Weisshaupt uh, really formed a serious alliance with Lord Mayer Rothschild, who financed the Illuminati agenda. And when they choose the 1st of May, why? May is the fifth month, added to the first day equals six. Weisshaupt chose 1776 because the four numbers of this year add up to 21. 1 plus 7 plus 7 plus 6 equals 21. Further, the sacred number 6 plus 21 equals 27, another number which occultic Kabbalist power believes the multiplying of 9 times 3 and so on. All these numbers are important. Sixes are very important. He believed that even the greatest plan would be doomed to failure if it wasn't carried out at the most numerically advantageous time. So, the long-term political goals of this occultic secret society of the Sabbatans, which is now wedded with Adam Weishaupt and the Illuminati and with the Rothschild money power of the banks, abolish all monarchies, abolish all ordered Christian governments, abolish private property, you'll owe nothing and you'll be happy, abolish all rights of inheritance by overtaxing, abolish patriotism and nationalism, we must have internationalism, abolish all family life and the institution of marriage, and abolish all religion, the establishment of communal education, compulsory communal education for children. Now, I think you can see in all this the Marxist manifesto. This is what Karl Marx wrote, who is obviously also an occultist and, and a Satanist. And uh, the, uh, the agenda of the Sabbatians is the agenda of the Illuminati, is the agenda of Marxism. And so when you look at 1666 and Sabbatai Zevi, the a false Jewish messiah, uh, you begin to understand Jeffrey Epstein, the New World Order, Hollywood, the modern scripts, why our education institutions and political institutions and banking institutions are so anti-Christ at their core, because that's the root. This this Sabbatean religion of uh, Sabbatean Zevi is not just occultic, it's actually satanic. 
Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. There's very little I can say to follow on from that. That was one of your best um, presentations ever. They're all good, but uh, I'm delighted that you agreed to do that, and uh, I thank you so much for your research. What I will throw in, because you mentioned the Illuminati, I say this a few times, folks, but it's extremely pertinent. Uh, when the Illuminati was formed in 1776, uh, as Peter said, there were these four planks, if you like, um, and uh, the first one was... Um, well, it says, use monetary and sex bribery to obtain control of men already in high places in the various levels of all governments and other fields of endeavour. Once influential persons have fallen for the lies, deceits and temptations of the Illuminati, they are to be held in bondage by application of political and other forms of blackmail, threats of financial ruin, public exposure and fiscal harm, even death to themselves and members of their families. So that was the number one aim of the Illuminati, the first plank, if you like. So, Peter, we are out of time, but uh, can you please let the audience know how they can contact you and where they can find your work? My email is peter at frontline.org.za. Peter at frontline.org.za, to use the American pronunciation, that's my email. And our website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org. Frontlinemissionsa.org, SA standing for South Africa. Frontlinemissionsa.org. We're based in the uttermost parts of the Earth, Cape Town, only city stride two oceans between the cold Indian and the uh, cold Atlant Atlantic and the warm Indian oceans. And so I'd like to hear from folks, Peter at frontline.org. And we are on social media too. Thank you so much, Peter. Fascinating study, as I said. Peter and I will be back with you next week. You have been listening to The Real Story of 1666 and the Sabbatan Origins of the New World Order. I want to thank all of you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, bye for now.